0: This is a download from BFM 89.9, the business station.
1: Good morning, folks. Welcome to the s and Show with me, Melissa, Chuang and Julian. Uh, today, we'll be looking at the impossible trinity, the idea of an impossible trinity, or also known as a trilemma. So what this concept of uh, impossible uh, trinity is um, kind of a hypothesis in international economics uh, saying that uh, it is almost impossible to achieve a stable foreign exchange rate, an an absence of capital controls and an independent monetary policy all at the same time. So something's got to give from the three.
2: Yeah, this is a new concept to me. And this first came across it in Paul Michael of HSBC's note. And also BCA Research also has talked about this uh, issue. Now, of course, um, these are all mutually exclusive terms. You can't have low interest rates and have a controlled exchange rate as well. So this is the the dilemma Malaysia finds itself in right now. And uh, I mean, my personal take on this is that and this is what BCA research also says, is that Bangalore wants to have a very low interest rate environment to keep growth chugging along. Uh, as we know, um, you know Malaysia has very, very high levels of household debt and business and government debt. Um, so you know, they, they, they don't really have much leeway to allow interest rates to rise. But as a result, the exchange rate also suffers.
1: Okay, well, let's explain first how one correlates with the other first. Okay, so the fact that um, monetary policy independence, so having control over whether to to raise interest rates or not, um, is in contradiction with um, uh, the exchange rate, because every time you raise rates, money will flow back into the country, so your your currency will become stronger. Whereas if you lower rates or if your rates are accommodative, um, money will flow out of the country, right?
0: Um, that's right, but uh, you also have to have the assumption that you have an open capital account, that money can go get in and out of the country easily. So if that is the case, then uh, you would not be able to control your exchange rate because money can exchange freely. But if you try to fix all three um, at once, uh, something will have to give. For, for instance, uh, back in the day when uh, the ringgit was pegged at 380 Uh, We could have independent monetary policy, we could have a stable exchange rate, uh, but we had no free capital movement, right? Uh, The peg of 380 required uh, capital controls uh, to be set in. Similarly, uh, with the situation in China right now, China has some degree of control over the capital account. Uh, They don't have full capital uh, currency convertibility, uh, but they have uh, a stable exchange rate and they also have
2: uh, some degree of uh, interest rate uh, independence. So this is the situation. To bring it home to Malaysia, situation now, right? Because as we know, uh, interest rates are still accommodative in Tan Zeti as this is uh, uh, terms, um, but the ringgit has been in kind of like free fall for the last few months. And I th- I'm not sure what it is today, but yesterday, some in the region of 4.12 to the dollar, right. uh, considerably lower than the 380 peg that it used to have in the early 2000s. So I mean, how's it? How's it all going to end? Nobody knows, right? Because the implications are too far and too varied, to um, you know, to consider. And you know, this is probably one of the biggest headaches facing the central bank right now because what do you do? Do you keep growth accommodative? Do you keep rates low? Or do you allow... And, and, and see your exchange rate falling through the, you know, through the floorboards and see money flow out of your country just like how China is suffering right now. Right, yeah. Or do you start to allow rates to rise? allow money to come back into your system, but then, you know, uh, um, thwarts growth. And as you know, you know, households are very high debt levels. Governments are very high debt levels. If you allow these floating rate uh, loans to start creeping upwards, installments are going to rise. And many Malaysians are already either underwater or near underwater. So what do you do?
1: So is it the lesser of all three evils? Which is it? I mean, are you talking about uh, high interest rates and low growth? Are you talking about a weak ringgit um, and... And, you know, uh, poor economy? Or are you talking about uh, capital controls putting a peg to that?
0: So that's really interesting, right? Because some analysts and observers actually uh, believe that uh, the impossible trinity is actually possible, right? That's that's like the holy grail of uh, what (laughs) countries would like to achieve. So, for instance, if a country is really stable and they have good policies, then actually, um, by virtue of those kind of policies the um, currency remains stable. So uh, you, you can still have a very open economy um, and because investors believe in your currency, you you have a stable currency. When you reduce interest rates a little bit to accommodate your fiscal policies, uh, that outflow of money would not be great because these uh, speculators or investors actually believe in your policy. I suppose uh, that remains something that is quite theoretical, but what it also m- implies for Malaysia is that there are some long-term factors that need to be addressed in the country. And these long-term factors may find itself in things like um, you know, the education level of a country, the conducive environment by which we live in, the uh, eradication of uh, corruption and so all that Governance. Thing. Governance yeah, issues. A lot okay. of governance and accountability
2: issues. So, serendipitously, the Prime Minister was publicly uh, talking about how he doesn't think Malaysia is a failed state and the fact that he's, you know, allaying and making public statements about how Malaysia might be a failed state is in itself very telling because, you know, part of the reason why the ringgit is where it is is because of concerns of the political stability and the turmoil, right? Uh, um, You know, most notably centering on the 1MDB uh, financial mess that it's in, etc., and the allegations of impropriety on the Prime Minister's part. So, I mean, it is such a world of pain that Malaysia is finding itself in having to deal with all these externalities and as well as the domestic side of, of things. I mean, if I was a policymaker and a regulator at, at Bank Nagara, I'd be wondering what to do.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think that Bank Negara has that very delicate balance of trying to figure out which is the lesser of all evils, right? What is What is the way to move forward?
0: Yeah, but if you follow uh, actually a blog, uh, this is called yeah.com uh, uh, and the guy behind it is actually a practicing economist. Uh, he He's called- got an
2: interesting view because he doesn't think that, so what if the exchange rate is clapping? So what if the foreign reserves are dropping? doesn't matter, right? That's what he says, right?
0: That's right. Um, and he, he thinks that uh, actually you, you don't really need foreign reserves uh, in a flexible exchange rate environment because uh, currencies would adjust according to the value of the country. And uh, if it gets low enough, uh, people come in and actually adjust uh, these uh, foreign exchanges because we are no longer in a fixed exchange rate uh, system.
1: So uh, market forces will come into play here. Do you guys agree with him?
2: I don't know. I mean, you know, foreign exchanges like your, your cash savings, right? You know, you know, you have that psychological barrier that if it all goes to pot, at least I've got some money in the bank that it will tide me over, right? Because, you know, having enough money to, to pay for X, two, three, four, nine months of retaining pots is a bit like saying I've got enough money to pay for household expenses. If I don't have that cash in the bank, I can't, I can't, you know, f- foresee and predict that money is going to come in and, and, and buffer my situation where mm-hmm. when times are low. You, you can't do that because it's, it's, it's such an unpredictable external environment right now. So I'd rather have the cash in my bank. So I know that if it all goes to hell, at least I can pay for rice for my, for my family, right?
0: yeah that's right to take to bring to bring it home to the individual and and um this blogger also cites uh, a case where he recently met an australian de- delegation um and and we also confirmed this with Benley Brunton, right when we spoke to him that uh we asked them whether they are worried about that uh that crashing Aussie dollar as well. And uh-huh. none of them are worried uh, because uh, the, the bank, uh, Reserve Bank of Australia and uh, for that matter, the Bank of Canada and the Reserve Bank of New Zealand have all aggressively cut interest rates and talked down uh, their currencies as though it was the right thing to do in the face of this uh, commodity pricing. They are commodity exporting countries. Um, these uh, cheaper currencies would actually benefit them. And it's a testament to uh, the, the case that you, if, if it's cheap enough, market
2: forces would come I find in. that astounding, yeah. Jules, because yesterday when the Shanghai, dropped by six, Shanghai exchange dropped by 6%, the Shenzhen dropped by 6.6%, you know the metals market had a huge collapse as well. Copper yep. dropped to six-year lows. Aluminium dropped to six-year lows. These are Australia's primary products, right? And for them to say it's okay, I don't mind being paid less for my stuff now, as long as I get I get. Not that they don't mind them. being
0: paid less. They they can be paid more from a, a higher volume viewpoint because Correct. the the but, commodity is so cheap right now. But that that's the danger of this race to, to, to the buy bottom
2: more. because it's like all of us are being in the market and all of us are selling, you know, vegetables and meat, and we're gonna say, "Jules, I'm gonna undercut you because I want to sell more product than you, but I'm gonna sell at a lower amount." But I'm just going to move my produce, right? Where does it stop? And that's the problem with this race to the bottom. Well, that that is a uh, cash flow consideration,
0: right? But from an economics uh, policy consideration, this guy is saying that it's no point actually using your foreign exchange reserves to defend your currency because you, at you can, some point, yeah. at some point in time, uh, the real value of it would emerge, uh, would surface, and then you would have wasted all your right. money just trying to defend it. Uh, Much like I, I suppose some short-term housekeeping uh, would it's be. In order, it, yeah would be in order I suppose uh, the, the question is when right do you catch a falling knife or do you wait uh, for it to go down to such a level and at which point then you send a very very strong uh, signal to the market that you mean business and, and get in very convincingly
1: we'll try and answer that question after so a word from our sponsors on BFM 89.9 it's now 9.47am. We're continuing our look um, at the impossible trinity here on the s and show. Can it be achieved? Now, according to a recent blog post on um, Malaysia Finance... Um, hmm, familiar. <laughs> <laughs> he
2: sounds familiar. Yeah, he sounds yeah.
1: familiar. Well, he reckons that um, it's only a matter of time that Bank Negara will be forced to raise rates. But it's, that's not necessarily a bad thing, he reckons.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think, I think you know, obviously the you know Dali there is considering the the wider implications of where the Malaysian economy is, and um, you know considering the amount of outflows from Malaysia's risk assets in the last few months, you know we are officially in bear market territory along with twenty two other stock markets around the world, uh, Russia, um, uh, Singapore of course, uh, Thailand of course, you know. We are probably, in by some interpretations, in the middle of the latest global financial crisis.
1: Yeah, I think the, okay. the, the, that there <coughs> was a guy who wrote a blog post yeah, about that,
2: right? Uh, yeah, economic collapse. The yes. Michael something or other. <laughs> He's the blogger. <laughs> Schneider, there. I think. Schneider, Schneider yeah, Michael Schneider. Yes. So you see, the thing is, the KLCI is down eighteen percent in four months. If we analyze that, I mean, goodness gracious me, we're something like fifty-seven percent on down on the year, right? The the currency is that what down twenty percent on you know the last one year. It's it's very very bad. I, I don't know
0: I don't know if it's quite that bad because I don't know what kind of impact or repercussions this would have on the rest of the general population. But certainly for traders and speculators in the stock market, it'd be like they'll be crying right now and they'll be bleeding. Um, but yeah, I, I suppose if you want to say that the stock market, to what extent uh, that the stock market reflects actual economy, uh, then uh, that. You you may be in for some you know hard answers.
2: Okay, so the other component of, of the BCA research report that I read um, says that in tough times as this, you won't have a resilient and and, and uh, quite you know um, stable domestic economy. Mm-hmm. The problem is, if you look at loans growth and you look at um, uh, all those other lending metrics of the last few months, Malaysia hasn't really been doing that all that well. That's because we haven't had much consumption and much growth on those fronts. You look at it, car sales are down for on multiple months. Uh, retail sales have been cast downwards and forecast downwards by the MRA I think three or four times already this year people are not concealing. I think a lot of money
0: is still going into financial assets like property because you I don't you think see so. you see the loan growth for the how first so quarter lo- uh, by, by the big banks right 14 to 15 percent per annum uh, but of, of course going forward because of sentiment uh, they are targeting for lower loan growth but still I mean
2: for uh, 13 12 13 percent loan growth is the, no small beans in the good days 13 to 14 ho- uh, percent loans growth yes but today and if you look at how often reported often reported Q2 last night right uh, they had 9.1% loans growth and that was mainly driven by the SME side right but actual industry loans growth average is somewhere in the region of 5% and that's one third the size of what it used to be in the good old days two years ago right yeah. so nobody's borrowing I think and uh, that's the fact of the matter
0: to, we are kind of t- our hands are kind of tied uh, Bank hands that are, uh, you you. C- you would probably have to take the lead from other countries in the region as to whether you want to raise interest rates or not. But certainly caught between a rock and a hard place because uh, raising interest rates would harm the economy yeah. uh, but would protect the ringgit and not doing anything would uh, expose the ringgit But further. if you're
1: waiting for another country to take the first step, who's going to be the first to do th- to take the plunge, right? If you're going to wait for le- leads from other uh, well, the
0: Fed uh, is the one that the every, everyone is looking at. Uh, we're
1: going to get Fed minutes tonight. So, we'll so see. I listened yeah. to
2: you talking to Mark yesterday. Mark, father, like <laughs> first, first Mark. name basis. Yeah, oh. yeah, Marky. So he reckons the Federal Reserve will not raise rates in September as widely anticipated because yeah. of China's problems. I agree with him. And, I think and, he, and th- he thinks that
0: it's financial engineering because he thinks he, that the,
2: f- he the says Fed that
0: the picked up the phone and called up PBOC and say, hey, can you
2: devalue a little so that the pressure is and kind I of taken off?" And I agree with him about how the whole world Wealth gap and inequality has been driven by central banks. It's these guys that have been the cause of all these problems, right? <laughs> I was I was listening to your interview with On Hooks, right? Yeah. But he's got a point, and this is our bet—maybe one and a half to two years too late, because that's what I believe. You know, when they started to to reduce the bond buying program, Jules, yeah? I think America is going to not just not raise rates, but it'll just start easing again. I mean, that's my belief. Well, I have this uh,
0: unofficial wager that ringgit would go back to three sixty to three seventy simply because I can. And predict with no repercussions on my job or on my money. So I'm just going <laughs> He's for not that. At uh, all. But you know, uh, Ring It now is four oh nine. A slight, a slight rebound to the four eleven. I'm using a little bit of confirmation bias here and timing bias <laughs> to my advantage. Uh, but you know, it's it's a, still a, a very big open-ended question.
1: Well, we'll continue our discussion, of course, on other episodes of um, uh, S and But for now, that's a wrap for today. Um, I'm Melissa. Julian Ng and Kusu Chong has been with me on the morning run. Now we hear bittersweet symphony from the Verve on BFM eighty nine point nine.